especially in those first couple weeks, is filled with a lot of decisions. It's filled with a lot of uh, ways that you could make a mistake or feel like you're not acting correctly or, you know, where you get inside these Facebook groups or family friends or whatever, where these debates are super hard to have. You know, are you, if you have a boy, are they going to have a circumcision or not? Uh, are you going to rear face until the child's four? Are you going to give up coffee because your two-year-old wants to drink it every morning? Answer is definitely no on that one. Sometimes we're super, 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 super excited to announce that I am launching a Facebook group and I am going to have a place where I can actually connect and talk with you. So if you're listening to this right now, I would definitely log on to Facebook and search the new mom doc on there. Links will be in the description. Go ahead and add yourself to that. And um, I cannot wait to start talking to you. Welcome to the new mom doc podcast, where we dive headfirst into the beautiful chaos of motherhood. I'm Dr. Kaylin Galloway, your host and fellow new mom. Join me as we navigate the sleepless nights, endless diapers, and the roller coasters of emotions that come with this crazy journey. In each episode, we'll tackle the real struggles of pregnancy, postpartum, and everything in between. I'll share practical tips, heartfelt stories, and expert insights to help you thrive in this new chapter of life. With a mix of humor, empathy, and evidence-based advice, we'll explore ways to prioritize your mental health and find joy amidst the chaos. So grab your cup of coffee, put on your headphones, and get ready to embrace the adventures of motherhood. As a naturopathic physician, I aim to embrace the principle of docere, which is Latin for to teach, which is my exact desire for this podcast is to teach you more about your body and about health. But none of this should be considered advice, specifically medical advice. Any and all health decisions should be done with your personal physician. All right. I think we're recording. Okay. So. Today's topic is how to make tough decisions as a new mom, even when you really don't want to. So, new mom life, or life as a mom, in especially in those first couple weeks, is filled with a lot of decisions. It's filled with a lot of uh, ways that you could make a mistake, or feel like you're not acting correctly, or, you know, where you get inside these Facebook groups or family, friends, or whatever, where these debates are super hard to have. You know, are you, if you have a boy, are they going to have a circumcision or not? Uh, Are you going to rear face until the child's four? Are you going to give up coffee because your two-year-old wants to drink it every morning? Answer is definitely no on that one. Sometimes it really hurts to make the decisions. For instance, getting vaccines, having your child get a shot every time they go to the doctor or pretty close to it at this point, isn't all that fun as a, as a parent. It's not exciting and it's not easy to make these decisions. 
you know, are you going to be the type of family that does elimination communication? Are you going to do cloth diapering? Are you going to make your own purees? Are you going to introduce food at four months old? And um, are you going to use rice water? All these things seem so trivial, but they can surprisingly give you a lot of debate. They can give a lot of really emotional, like, charged actions towards you on Facebook groups, which you think would be benign and people would want to help. But, like, everybody has their motives and everybody is so tied to this because it's it's personal. It's your child. But I would urge you to kind of sit back and come to the conclusions you want to come to. Oh my god, I shouldn't be yawning. Actually, I should. I only got like four hours of sleep. But anyway, I digress. But there's a way for you to systematically go through all of these things without you having to sacrifice who you are as a person. I want to go through just the last, like, like two weeks, first two weeks of my son's life. I had made the decision wholeheartedly that I was going to breastfeed. I wanted to nurse. I wanted to to do that. At the time, there was a shortage of food, so, so uh, formula was hard to come by. Okay, I really gotta stop yawning. Uh, <laughs> but uh, formula was hard to come by, and I just didn't want to give it to him. I already knew I had had gestational diabetes, he'd been born through C-section, so I'd already kind of had things that were against him in terms of his microbiome and in terms of his cardiovascular and endocrine risk moving forward. Um, Having gestational diabetes increases the risk that your child will have diabetes does not mean that they will get type 2 diabetes in their lifetime, it's just an increased risk. And an increased risk for me. It was going to be beneficial to me if I breastfed at least six months. That was kind of the goal I had for myself. And when I experienced that, he was born with a very severe uh, lip tie or tongue tie. So he could not latch, no matter how I tried. I went to the hospital's lactation consultant. I went to the pediatrician twice we had them cut his uh the tie in office at like eight days I couldn't get him to eat I could hardly get him to eat out of a bottle it was really hard for him to even latch to a bottle but I was breastfeeding or attempting to feed him um getting him latch then introducing a bottle then pumping and he would sleep while I pumped and then he'd wake up and I started all over again and if any mamas know how hard that is to do I, yeah, I commend anybody that exclusively pumps. It is so hard, just so hard. It all was so hard. But I ended up getting so exhausted because I couldn't sleep. I was overproducing milk at that point and, because it wasn't regulated to his feedings. And I was like almost triple feeding at this point. Or no, I was triple feeding. That's what triple feeding is, you know, where you feed them through the breast then a bottle because they're not getting enough, and then uh, pumping. So my body was getting signals to create, to create, create, and it was not my problem. Supply was not my problem. 
clog milk dugs and um, him not being able to latch properly were definitely my problem. And I remember it being so hard for me, not because I wasn't given the resources. I was given so much access. I had taken a class as part of my medical degree on how to breastfeed. I had taken an online course on how to breastfeed before. I had lactation consultants in the hospital. And then when we went back for our follow-up, they had a lactation consultant in the office. And so I had a bunch of resources that were available to me. And even still, I could not get this child to latch. And finally, I his two-week follow-up, I had tears in my eyes. And I, I was so demoralized, so put down that I had to make this decision. And, you know, the doctor's office was super kind. My pediatrician, bless her, she's been amazing. She's worked so well with me. She's watched my son go through all of this and helped me through, helped me have confidence in myself that I'm, I'm a good mom. And I was crying in the office and I was just like, I think it's time that I just have to, I have to give him formula. Like I can't, he's not growing. I can't feed him and I can't keep doing this. Well, I did try one more thing because I got home and I, I tried to make up a box. I could not scoop it into the, into the bottle. And I don't have anything morally against people feeding their kids formula. Honestly, when I think about it logically, without the influence of hormones, without the influence of this is what I should do, there was no problem with me giving him formula. But I could not do it. I felt like an absolute failure for not being able to just mix the formula together. I, I just, I couldn't feed him. I couldn't feed him. I had everything I needed. I had the supply. I had all the things working for me. I had all the training. I had all the good, and it just would not work. And I made the decision to call one more place that did reevaluate him for his tongue tie to see, like, maybe they didn't get it enough, and so he couldn't latch. And, like, this was a couple days before he was supposed to get his cast for his club feet, so it was like, I don't know if I should do this. Should I do this? I was calling my mom crying and being like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And I ended up taking him. My husband ended up actually holding him while they did a laser phrenectomy, which is where they cut tongue tie and literally they did it we gave him Tylenol and he latched it was like that and I say this I share this story because yes is it hard for me to make the decision I had to have them put scissors or a laser to my son twice I had to make that decision to say like hey guess what I'm gonna make this decision that I want him to breastfeed now to this day he still is nursing and I have, you know, he's two. It's a long, it's a long journey. He got sick last week and oh boy, did we nurse a lot. And mama is tired. But I say this to say like, you know what? Guess what? You don't have to do anything. You don't have to be sad that you have to give your son a bottle of formula. You don't have to be so caught up in this idea that like, oh, it didn't work out. Last option. It's like, no, if this is the decision you want to make, you will find a way as mom to make that story. You will find a way. So I just want to give you that little piece of hope 
The other story I wanted to share with you is that when my son was eight weeks old, we had to do a tenotomy. This is a fancy way of saying, and this might be gross for some people, they actually had to cut his Achilles tendon and put casts on his feet and allow it to reform just because of the way the club foot had formed. It makes it so that they can't actually flex their foot all the way unless they do this surgery. And it's kind of crazy that they figured it out. I don't want to know what kind of psychology was behind figuring this out because, quite honestly, that freaks me out. But anyway, I had to be in the room for this. This wasn't, he was too young to be put under anesthesia. Some physicians do this under anesthesia, but they they had me in the room. And I was a medical student, and the attending physician knew that, and so he treated me like a medical student in the context of being a mom, watching her son go through this. And I had to pin my son down while they did it without anesthesia. They put topical lidocaine on him, and then they gave him an injection of lidocaine after the fact. Because if they put the lidocaine into the, the ankle before, it would have swollen the area and they wouldn't have clear margins to figure out where, you know, blood vessels versus um, nerves and everything like that was. So the crazy thing, it, like it's a two second thing. It wasn't a very long procedure, but I remember driving to that procedure and I remember thinking, this is awful. I'm willingly driving my son to this procedure. I'm willingly letting someone take a scalpel to my son. I'm willingly giving this up. Do I have to do this? Do I have to do this? And of course the answer was yes, because the answer was if I don't do this, then he he can't walk. If I don't do this, he can't play football. And man, does that boy love football. You know, he can't go play golf with his with his grandfather. There are ways that I had to make okay with the fact that I could be angry, I could be upset, I could be scared. I could feel like this was wrong, feel justified in feeling that way, and still do what was right for my son in the long term based on my desires for him and also the quality of life that he was going to have. And so I just want to say to this to you is that there are going to be decisions Hopefully it's not club feet. Hopefully it's not something worse than what I experienced because Lord knows I never want anyone to go through what I experienced, nor do I want anyone to go through anything worse. But there are going to be times where you're going to have to make decisions that are uncomfortable in the moment. Like as simple as your child's going to be crying so hard because you will not put on Mickey, but you put on like, but you choose not to put Mickey on because they can play with the blocks that you purchased, because that's what's better good, better for their development. And it's so hard as a mom to put those things to the test, to actually tell yourself, yeah, I can do this. I can say no when all I want to do is cave. I can say yes when all I want to do is say no. I have the ability to say that. Now, the first thing that I want you to do when you have a situation like that is feel your feelings. Feel it. Integrate it. Know where you feel it in your body. Do you feel it in your chest? Are you feeling anxiety? Name the emotion. Is this anxiety? Is this depression? Is this like, I feel uneasy? I feel exhausted, demoralized? 
you name it. If you want to Google a bunch of feelings, you can Google feelings, but name the feeling. How do you feel about it? Why do you feel that way? And does this feeling remind you of anything? Because I guarantee you a lot of the times when we are parents, the feelings that you're feeling are tied to how you felt as a child when this happened to you. Sometimes there's things in your childhood that you just somatically, meaning you feel it in your body and not actually intellectually in your head, are tying your response to the little child inside of you. So is this something that's happened to you before? Or is this a feeling that you feel before? (coughs) And I want you to point out what you're worried about in the future. So what is it that you are worried about? What is the consequence of this decision? Whether you make it or you don't make it. Whether you do nothing or you do something. Or you meet somewhere halfway. You know, is it not a yes or no decision, but it's a scale? How are you making that decision? And what is the consequences? The second thing is I think you need to journal on all those things. And you need to decide while you're journaling, what is your open fist decision? So what is something that you're negotiable? That's, that's, that you're, you're not clenching, that you will not, that's, it's not a firm boundary, but this is ideal. And then what is your firm closed fisted solution? You're absolutely no, no if, and, or buts, deal breaker if this does, does happen. What is that? And then what will I do when either of those things occur? So what is my action when I get something that's like, okay, I kind of don't like that, but like, it's not really my boundary. So like, how am I going to deal with this versus this is my boundary? How am I going to make sure that people respect it? How am I going to be accountable to my boundary? And how am I going to remember that that boundary exists? And the last thing is give yourself grace and know that sometimes these boundaries that you have in the first couple weeks of their life first couple months, first couple years are going to be very different than moving forward. And they will change and you will learn how to work and manipulate and get all these together as you grow as a mom and as you grow in your relationship with your child and as you change as a person, because let's be real, you're not going to be cyclical or cyclical is not the word. You're going to be stationary as mom. You're not going to be stuck in this developmental place for yourself. And then your child is not going to be stuck. Trust me. They will grow Like, literally, you will see them growing. Like, you'll fall asleep and wake up and be like, he's bigger. She's bigger. And it's going to be weird. You're going to think, like, wow, I am crazy. But you're not. Your child just had a growth spurt while you slept. It's, It's amazing and beautiful. You have this, mama. You have this. You have the support you need, even if it is just yourself. But look outside of you for support and respecting your boundaries. Know that sometimes the people that are the hardest to set boundaries with are those that are closest to you, and that would be family members. And people that are meant to be in your life, people that want to be in your life and should be in your life, respect the boundaries that you place. And they love you for being able to tell them how you want to be loved. So I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. I really hope that we connect. I actually have launched a Facebook group called the New Mom Doc Facebook group, and I really, 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 really want to connect with some of you. It's going to be very small and intimate, and I will be in there addressing any questions that you have, any concerns, 
And if you just want to chat with me directly, I would love to hear from you. I'm also going to have a lot of, of prompts and, and things to respond to that I'm curious about and questions for you. Um, and then as a part of joining, you can join my email list, which I give you a bunch of updates. And it's just going to be really intimate and personal. And I really, really, really want to connect with people. I want to create a really amazing community. And I hope that this finds you in a wonderful time. You're doing great even though it feels overwhelming. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for joining me on this incredible journey through the New Mom Doc Podcast. Remember, you're not alone on this wild adventure called motherhood. I hope that you enjoy this episode that brought practical, valuable insights and a sense of community. As we wrap up, remember to prioritize your self-care, lean on your support system, and embrace the beautiful messiness of being a mom. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Your feedback means the world to me, and it helps other new moms discover this podcast. And as always, remember, you're an incredible, loving, and capable mom. Together, we're rewriting the book on motherhood and empowering each other to thrive. 